0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Jen Lowry Writes. I am so excited right now because I am sitting with one of my favorite authors, Mary Gray. Guys, the author of The Girl at the Hanging Tree and so much more. I want to tell you a little bit about Mary. She balances dark and twisty plots with faith-based messages. Some of her best ideas come when she's lurking in the woods, experimenting with frightening foods, or pushing her kids on the tire swing. She's the author of several fiction and nonfiction works and the co-owner of Monster Ivy Publishing. To see more of Mary, you've got to go check out her website, the Monster Ivy website, and Amazon. But Mary, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You're just wonderful. Thanks, Jen. So I'm hugging your book. Now, guys, I have this in ebook and in paperback. So I'm telling you guys right now, you need to not stop and like leave us, but make a note that you need to go and get the girl hanging tree. Mary, come on. This is like power. (laughs) This is like, you know, you say, you know, in your bio, dark and twisty plots, you know, with faith based messages, you don't just talk that you walk that. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like love, like if I like, so we have five star ratings in the author world, but I could scream to the rooftops, five star love times a million because you had me. So in. I read it, sat down, couldn't stop. And I will tell you guys, there's 54 chapters of love in this book that you will fast read fast page turn. Uh, you might say us the the last day wrong, and I'll tell you about that. <laughs> but when you kind of get midway through, you get like full loop, full loop, Mary, like like right midway, like chat, like seriously, like chapter like 28, 29, somewhere around in there. You get you're like, oh wait, what? Yeah. Oh wait, oh wait, where? <laughs> oh wait, who and what? Like the <laughs> whole five. Th- like wait, and then this so that's why psychological thriller Mm -hmm. like man do you do it well oh thanks that i mean when i
1: knew the topic of it and who you know the the villains would be in the story i was like no i'm not gonna write that (laughs) um but my friends you know gave me local history and i thought you know, this is kind of my specialty where I will, um, I guess, shine a light on truth and try to speak about, speak honestly, but also bring hope into the midst. midst. And so I didn't back off. And even my husband was like, oh, I don't know if you should write about this. And (laughs) yeah, um, but I prayed about it and I felt like, yeah, I needed to go forward. And for anybody listening, there's there's, um, a message of Um, the awfulness of racism in the story. And um, it was something that, you know, as a a white woman, I usually want to let other people write about who have maybe experienced those sorts of things speak from their own voices. And um, at the same time, I, I know that that negative thing can happen to everyone or there can be negative consequences to anyone from any race, and so I I wrote a story about it and how it might affect somebody like me, and um, I, I hoped to do it, you know, with grace and kindness, so that you know everybody can um, appreciate a different type of story. Somebody somebody said that it was kind of like a modern day To Kill a Mockingbird, which I appreciated because you know Harper Lee. Um, is also, you know, not own voices. And so I thought, okay, I don't need to leave that topic just to, to others, you know, who are a different race. And so I thought, I felt like my point of view wasn't important and should be heard also. But it was also
0: well researched. yeah, And you could feel it from the beginning of the book, whether it was your take on mental health, whether it was your take on racism and indoctrination and the evilness that can lurk in secret societies and small towns or large towns or anywhere in the world that you really could tell the heart of that research was there and it felt so realistic
1: Thank you. Yeah. So not only did I ta- tackle racism, and then to throw mental illness in the mix—that's something else that could go disastrously wrong. Um, but I—I I know people with mental illness. I have family members and um, loved ones and things, and so I've been able to talk to people quite extensively, and I've—I've I've read, you know, a lot of books about it, and I—I um, uh, I wanted again to show that it's. We need to empathize with anybody who who has a mental illness, and and I mean, I think, I mean, I've seen thrillers with with characters with dual personality. Um, my main character, you know, Gemma has another personality an alter. And she has dissociative identity disorder, and um, I wanted to be able to show like it works for a thriller because it makes it engaging and interesting. Like once you say, Oh, multiple personalities, it's like, Oh, interesting. You know, that is a hook, but I didn't want it to just be a hook. I wanted us to learn from that, you know? Um, And so to really delve into what that, what that looks like and to experience it and, and um, to make it, more believable, um, I basically split my own personality in half and, and even brought in some of my own, um, struggles and things and conversations. And so like I can, that way it's, you know, more realistic and then talking to people who have had to dissociate from trauma and understanding what that is like for them and, and the missing memories and things like that, that really helped me to, to be able to hopefully write it realistically.
0: Well, and you wrote it human. Thanks. <laughs> you wrote it with heart and at the same time with power and hope. Thank you. And strategy <laughs> and understanding. And it was just just this it was a roller coaster ride. And it was loop de loop de loop. And you know. Door slamming, and you're going. Wait, maybe that stopped the door, and then another door opens, and you go, "Oh, wait, this is an unreliable narrator at this point, and I have to remember that because it's so believable, and I'm in this state right now, you know, with this experience, that I've got to go. Oh, wait, I've got to start questioning everything now. I've mm-hmm. got to start start going through this within, you know, her mind and within her experiences. And that, again, the layering that you did takes you on that emotional roller coaster with her. So Mm -hmm. it's not just like you're on the ride and you feel outside of the book. When you're in Gemma's story and Tansy's story, when you're in their experiences, you feel like you're walking in that Victorian house with them Mm -hmm. and you don't want to leave the rooms. And you're dressed in this certain way, and then when you have to go out and get food, you're walking down that main street with Gemma. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was important to me. That um, so I write in first person, close first person um, present point of, present tense point of view, um, and that is my favorite, just because I can really draw on you know the senses and the location, and work really really hard to ground the reader with. You know, uh, it takes place in Texas. It takes place, you know, very near my home, actually. And so I was able to draw on like nature that I see every day or, um, you know, uh, there's a town that I based it off of and, you know, going to the town and then the real house and going to the house. (laughs) Um and then you know go and see make-
0: and you saw the poll or you saw a poll. I read a story about this because I've done a little bit of research in the back, but you saw a poll and said, Wow, what could this be? And that's where it sparked for you. Yeah,
1: um Okay, so for anybody who's a little bit lost, the book is about a woman with two personalities who discovers her husband is missing, only to be accused of his murder while being watched by a small town secret society. And um, I, I had finished up... Um, a horror novel, and I didn't know what I wanted to write next. And I usually like to go somewhere for inspiration. Well, I couldn't really go anywhere, and so I contacted my friend Tony, and I was said, "I said, hey, you've talked about maybe taking me to some local sites to spur some ideas. Do you want to take me on a tour locally?" And yeah, she's like, "Oh, I have the, the ideas for you." And so we got a group of us together, and the first place we went was Goatman's Bridge. Uh-huh. Um, in uh denton argyle texas it's right by denton and um there's some local a local legend there that um was interesting and um i don't know if i should say <laughs>
0: no don't do, no because i'll stop you because i've already said no <laughs> spoiler alerts for me but okay. yeah so going to these places helped to spark the ideas and bring them to you
1: yeah so then she took us there and she took us to um a local cemetery which takes place in the book. um, And to the house, uh, the Victorian house. And then the last place was um, the place where I saw the pole that you were talking about. And um, it's a real place. And yeah, I saw this in this backyard and it gave me a terrible feeling. And I'm like, why am I here? What can I pull from this? Um, What should I say about it? And so... And I had the, the dual personality idea. I really like a dual narration in a book. Cammy and I, Cammy, my sister, had um, co-written a trilogy and I really like alternating points of view and I thought that I would do um, a dual point of view myself and I tried to write it And the other one was whenever I would go into Tansy's point of view, she would spoil everything, tell everything that was happening. And I was like, "Why does the reader care to keep going?" You know. And so I like pulled out her chapters, and then I was like, "And I didn't get that far, only a few in." And but then I was like, "Yeah, it's this is Gemma's story because she's lost her memories. She's trying to figure out what's happening with her controlling altar, and." somehow it involves, you know, this poll that I was talking about, her husband's missing secret society. Um, but yeah, that was like, I knew there was, there were a few things that were darker than what I saw at that, that place. And so I thought, okay, that is definitely the end game. How do I get from here to there? How do I tie all these places together that I saw, bring them all together into one town and, um, and I used uh, some other resources that I have for, you know, writing and plotting to create the thriller because um, there's a certain way the thrillers work to keep people on the edge of your seat. Um, say the say the cat <laughs> writes the novel. Um, ah, that's cool? what
0: she used. Yeah. yeah,
1: really invaluable tool. It helps me. I mean, I spent a lot of time plotting this book. Um, I believe definitely pantsing works for certain types of books. But when you're when you're um, layering pieces throughout a thriller, the reader needs to to get things in a timely manner, and um, you can't really just like give it when you feel it. Um, you know, in the moment, you have to. I mean, you have to plan it. That's the way the type this type of story works. And so, I mean, I had so many index cards and so many posters, and like, okay, how do these go together? But then to to meld that with the personality like my own personality split in half so that it's not just a plot book, you know, it's not just like, Oh, and then, you know, so-and-so goes to this place and this thing happens. Like it also needs to be character driven. And so that, that marriage between the character driven and plot driven, I think is the
0: hardest part. But um, well, if anybody wants to see the master of that, all you have to do is go get the girl at the hanging tree because (laughs) That was a masterful work because you did marry that well. Yeah, it was a very strong marriage you've got going on in here of those elements, and it is a prime example of how psychological thrillers to me top model, top model book of how psychological thrillers can really take you in, tear you apart, (laughs) and then piece you back in ways that still mat- that matter, that, that, you know, that the faith is there, that the thread is there for redemption and hope and all of that in such a dark and contemporary yet really controversial type environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you did it all, Mary. <laughs> like, seriously, I've had a hat on and be like hats off to you. But like, seriously, like the plotting, the research, all of the time. I'd love to talk about that timeline because you visit these places. Mm -hmm. Then you've got to go home and do something with it all. So you said you go and you got your index cards, you've got your plotting, you've got your Save the Cat Beat sheets, you've got that. How long did that kind of take you from that conception of that idea that was birthed to you in these places, in these visitations, to actually doing a first draft? Um. I would say the
1: first time it took me like a month of plotting. Um, And it's crazy to me because a lot of people will say, yeah, I plotted my book today. And I'm like, "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) my kids were in school, you know, seven hours. And so I I literally had like the house to myself to plot seven hours a day. Well, no, I I run the company too. But a big portion of that is I was was plotting. and, And that was just the first go around. And I got it wrong. And so I had to redo it you know, especially the ends, endings are so hard. So, so hard. And again, thriller, everybody expects a certain amount of twist. And then you want to blow their minds a little more, but you have to make it believable and work for the character. And like, I got that wrong so many times. And so I had to replot like, probably three more times after that. And then each of those were probably another week.
0: When I wrote my thriller, I plotted backwards. I'd watched a YouTube tutorial and I did a third act. I did it all backwards. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like you said, you kind of knew where it was going. You just had Mm -hmm. to figure out those layering pieces and how to get it there for its full effect.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it is the type of book that I wanted it to have depth, but I also wanted it to be, you know, um realistic but also hopeful, you know. And then when I discovered, I mean, the ending that it needed to be, I like couldn't sleep because I was so heartbroken, you know.
0: <laughs> I woke up. So you're the- not the you're <laughs> not the only one because yeah. you think of so many ways that this book can go when you're reading yeah. it. There can be so many outcomes, so many different threads that it could take you on. And those choices are hard as an author.
1: Yeah. So
0: when you say like pantsing, you know, you can only go so far. Yeah. Like when I wrote a romance, I pants, you know, I plotted for 20 minutes. I said, I'm done. 20 minutes is all I need. I'm going to go and let the story take me where it goes. And it was a completely different place. Like (laughs) where I spent 20 minutes. But with the thriller, I understand the difference. But did you see, like you said, you kept kind of messing up those little pathways as you were going Yeah, that the the ending though all of those pieces. When did you kind of recognize that all of those pieces needed to be in place? Was it through the first draft writing, or was it after you had a first draft and we're going through editing? That I needed all those pieces for the ending. You mean yes, for all of those pieces to work like that. Did that just come throughout that first draft?
1: So I worked with two really good editors, Cami and Lydia. And those two were the ones who helped it finally come together. Like, I was hitting my head against the wall. I would, like, I was doing mental gymnastics, you know, and, like, time to pick up the kids from school. And I'm, like, "Ah!" I, like, to not even, like, concentrate. I couldn't make dinner. I couldn't run the car. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't figure it out. And I sent it to them. And they both gave me, Cami gave me the mental health, piece that I was missing and Lydia gave me the racism piece that I was missing. And we were able to marry those together because even like they were great advocates for each of those sides too. And so to like represent both um, communities that really um, hurt, you know, and to be able to make it work and for my character so that it, it was what she needed to learn too. I mean, I don't know why I, I, I like when I when I got to this, uh, when I was trying to figure out the ending, I was like, why did I even try to write this? Because there's no good way to end this book. You know,
0: like that's what I'm saying. There's so many directions, you know, as you're reading it. And I think that's where another part of the beauty of the layering that you did is because you can't guess this ending. Guys, really like you can't. You You just don't know. And that's true in life. You can't guess your ending. You know, you can only look at your, you can only infer, you can only make guesses, you can only make predictions and you can go with it and then you can't guess it. And then you're like, but it's a satisfying ending.
1: I hope so. Okay. I so thought-
0: that's another thing. Like if somebody has compared you to like, this is like a To Kill a Mockingbird. When you finish with To Kill a Mockingbird and Mockingbird and you walk away from it, you have, or it, as me as a reader, I'm just talking from personal reader experience. You have a full circle, satisfying ending. Mm -hmm. That's the same experience that I had with the girl at the hanging tree where I walked away. And even though things were hard and even though things might not have worked out exactly the way I would have wanted them to. (laughs) Why? Um, You still walk away. And it's almost as if. You have closure. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's the full circle book. It is. And it had, it, it's, it's tied up in a way where it's still hard. Yeah. It's still hard when you walk away, but it is one of those pathways that you can say, well, I might not have seen all of these things coming, that this can be a logical end. Yeah. Well, and
1: once you figure out the ending, you're like, "Oh, this need, <laughs> this thread needs to be pulled back a little bit more." And so we were able to do that in edits. And so I just know how important a team effort me- matters in yes. writing. I mean, novel. I mean, so there are so many writers, and um, it is hard to you know find the right editor to work with but when you find it and they can help you level up like i can't do it on my own you know what i mean and to so find to find people who like understand the vision and to help you they're like you're doing this this isn't this right but oh you're not quite you know bringing this up to the next level that is so great you know great editors
0: make great books yes i have my sally i have sally Oh, Um, So, yeah. um, So talk more about your support system, because, you know, we were talking about balance before we went live, but Mm -hmm. you have a family, you have a business, you have so much and a support system that helps you talk about that a little bit about that importance of that.
1: Yeah. Um, so, Cami, obviously, being my sister, has been around for years and years. We've always been interested in similar books and movies and things. And so, even before we started the company and before she started writing, I would write and then I would send books to her and get feedback from her because she's just an, this naturally gifted um, editor, writer. She just has a great artist artistic mind you know and so she has always been an an amazing support system and then um my husband he is not really interested in (laughs) the types of books i write and for the longest time i was like well that's not very nice like if he loved me why doesn't he why doesn't he love my books and then i kind of just accepted it like even when it's we want to watch a show together like he wants to watch a football movie or a comedy (laughs) And like, I can only take so much of that. (laughs) And then he's like, why are you watching that? This is really depressing or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, and it's not. You have to see, you know, there is hope in it. And so anyway, we have very different tastes. And so he, he's very supportive, like with our family, but then also being supportive of the fact that I spend so many hours writing and editing and running the company Um, and, you know, not everybody would be that way. And so I'm really, really grateful for that. And it's funny because when I finished writing The Girl at the Hanging Tree, I had written something like, Adam, you probably won't read this yada again. Well, then he actually read it. <laughs> and it had been years. I mean, it had been like a decade. Since, well, not that long, but it had been many years since he had since he had read any of my books. And so he got to that and he was like, hmm, you didn't think I was gonna read it, huh? Well, and it was funny too, because like, um, the husband in the book, you know, his ring on, on the inside, it says a perfect fit. Well, that's actually what I had engraved in, on my husband's ring. And so he was like, what's going on? What are you doing to me?" Like, cause he had said, you know, something that had happened to the husband that was pretty major. And I was like,
0: um, not you dear. Not just, here. just, I just know. a part of that happened to sink yeah. into the book. It just so keep he, going. <laughs> Support, um, just,
1: you know, like he's very steady. I'm the mo- emotional one, and he is just, I, I call him my plaster of Paris. He like holds <laughs> me in place, right? We all mm-hmm. need that. And then, yeah, Lydia has, um, she literally just kind of came out of nowhere. She um, asked us if she could intern for us a uh, year, two years, year and a half ago, something like that. And we're like, well, usually we work with this one university to get our interns. And she's like, well, that's okay. And I don't you don't have to pay me or anything like that. And I would just I just want to learn and, and I was like, Well, if you're sure. And so we started um giving her work and then I saw how smart and fast and diligent and amazing she was. And so then when it time came time to needing more editors for the girl at the hanging tree, I was like, Hey, do you think you can look at this? And I'm so glad that I did, because she gave me such an invaluable help on that book. So, so- Yeah. I would say those three are, have been my, my best mortal support system. And then of course, Heavenly Father every day, like before I, or after I send the kids to school, I always um, read my scriptures and I always pray. And I mean, there's such a potential if you're dealing with heavy topics or controversial topics to really kind of go off and left field. It's, It's a, it's a really tough task to, to tackle. And so I always pray like, please guide me, please help me to do this in thy way, because I I can't do it on my own. Like, obviously I I miss pieces on my own. And so please, please help me to have the spirit and to, um, you know, be wise in, in this, um, journey and the discovery of the story. And, um, not everyone even, you know, like, I know people through church and stuff, and and they know that I will write maybe creepy fiction or whatever. And, and they're not willing to do that. And I'm like, I promise I, I am trying to do it in a good way, in a healthy way, in a light-filled way, and not everybody is willing to go there and you know that's their choice and people are interested in different things but then the people who are willing maybe they've experienced trauma in their lives or they have experienced racism or they've experienced other really hard things and for them like delving into these tougher topics is therapeutic for them they feel heard validated um like they see somebody else has gone through hard things then they they feel like like they matter and what they went through matters and that um, it's okay, we can talk about these things in a healthy way. So th- those readers too are my support system, you know, because um, it can be really disheartening to spend hours, 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 months, months, years, 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 writing these books and to have like not very many people read it, you know, and then the people who do and then the people who let you know that, hey, I, I got this out of it, thank you for writing it they, you know, mean
0: so much and you are one of them. So Uh, so on Amazon, I did my counting, uh, 13 books from you, Mary. Is there, are there more or am I right with this number? Um, Uh, the yeah, one, I was I was counting them up and I was like, okay, you're from nonfiction to fiction. I love how you said like, okay, I've got some creepy stuff out there. I can't read to read all of your creepy stuff <laughs> because I absolutely love your writing style. I uh, can't wait to read every single thing. But talk to me about when did you decide that nonfiction would become like a part of your author
1: showcase? so um there have been a few times where i've been invited to teach at writing conferences and um you know obviously when you go then you teach about writing and so i had um i pitched a couple ideas and the first one no that wasn't the first one um anyway one of the ones that i have written is how to write clean yet scintillating romance um that was a class that the person writing, writing the running the conference was excited about. And I was like, well, if I'm teaching the class, I might as well just do like a nonfiction. And it's not really long. It's just like a short nonfiction booklet where I basically, I wrote the book the way that I taught the class. Um, and Because I feel like, That's valuable information. And I realized that anytime you have like a how to and you can help people through nonfiction, it's often easier to sell than fiction um, because people want to know how how to write. And there are a lot of aspiring writers out there. And so I have that one, and then how to write faith based messages um, to showcase the light. And um, that was actually the first one I wrote. And that one I think I even have free on a lot of platforms where I can get it free just to help people see that you can you can share faith through like a dark and twisty plot type of a thing. And so that is, um, that's out there. And then I have one. um, Oh, that's a second. Uh, That's another one. The dark and twisty one is a a different one. And then the faith-based one is another one. So there there are three, sorry. I'm being confusing. Anyway, yeah, they were just like classes that I ended up teaching. And so I made them into nonfiction books.
0: Oh, that's really smart though, because then people, they can't go to the class. People are there at that one time, workshop. Yeah. Right. They can have Mary all the time they can get your books and then they can, you know, delve in deeper to the topics and yeah. then they can explore more and, and add to their knowledge, you know. And so you did that after writing a few fiction, getting that under your belt and then moving into nonfiction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't write these until I had like four or five books out. Um, and had edited lots of books too. Um, And I also, they're, they're in audio too, just because I could, you know, they're not super long and people like audio, they can, they can help, they can multitask or whatever they want to do is they have in the various formats. So, and yeah, like I said, they're super short and to the point. (laughs) So, and then, um, yeah, I have like a couple like really short, short books, but full length novels, I have seven. So six young adult and one adult. So
0: so now I've got to ask you, so you've always wanted to be a writer or did this come later? How has that worked with you with your journey? I mean,
1: I really liked writing and I, I liked reading when I was little, um, but it wasn't really something that um, I was allowed to do growing up. That's so weird. Um, we, you know, grew up kind of in rural, rural locations where, um, we had to like work outside and it it was a very like chore, um, focused family. And so if we like sat down to read or something, it was like, we were being lazy. And so, um, then I went to college miraculously made it to college. (laughs) Um, and I was trying to figure out what I was gonna do. And I remember thinking of English and then being like, no, I don't want to disappoint. So I put into public relations of all things before the internet like exploded. So social media, so that was, um, <laughs> uh, I, I, they teach that differently now, but I did learn some skill sets about being strategic and running, you know, public relations campaigns and things that have helped with the company actually. Oh yes. Yeah. So, um, but then it wasn't until I read twilight, of course, that I, I was like, I got a right book. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> you too. Oh, uh, my first experience was a walk to remember by Nicholas spark. So wow. I always have to, in my adult life. Cause I used to write like little stuff when I was young, you know, but when I became an adult, a walk to remember, was like, okay, I need more jamies yeah <laughs> i need more jamies in my life and then twilight too absolutely loved like I a series all the barbie dolls the games everything shirts oh my gosh i could tell you i was a fan um, um i was one of those i was one of those um but yeah love that writing style i just felt like i was like personally there mm-hmm. and you know, I could feel that character. I'm really big into the character driven. And that's where I see you. Have you always written your books in first person? Are they all this? Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to read them all, Mary. Uh, like, seriously, uh, I cannot wait.
1: It's just so, my natural style. And I, they're always in first person present too. Um, it's just kind of what I've gravitated towards. I did um, write some other things before I ended up publishing. And, you know, those early books, terrible. <laughs> and so, I mean, and I always say learning to write a book is harder than going to college. It's a huge, huge, huge journey learning what works, what doesn't, you know, you write a book and you think I'm an awesome writer. I know all this and I'm the best and everybody's going to love this. And then reality hits and, and you <laughs> learn it. There's so much to be learned. And um, so I definitely went through that and I'm still learning, you know, all the time.
0: And now here you are co-owning Monster Ivy Publishing. You've got, I know we have a separate interview where I had you and Cammie. I was so blessed that you guys came together on the show. You guys are going to be at the conference for the writing warriors for Jesus to talk with our our audiences about that. But talk to us a little bit about when did you know the business was coming because you know, authors you're doing your thing, you're writing and then all of a sudden a business.
1: Yeah. I had my, um, I'd gone through a couple literary agents. My second one decided that um, she was going to leave her that job, and so I knew I was going to either need to get an agent again or I needed to do something different because I had been at the publishing journey for um, by that time, I think like eleven years, and um, <clears throat> I didn't feel like the path that I was on was really working. And so, because I was doing the faith-based stuff in Dark and Twisty Books. And, and I, I wasn't finding like that perfect publisher that that would let me meld those things together. And um, I had talked to Cammy years before where she was like, yeah, we should start a publishing company. And I was like, terrible idea. I hate it. No, never going to happen. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and then years later, I was like, guess what? I think we should start a publishing company after I felt like inspiration and urge. <laughs> and, um, she's like, uh, yeah,
0: I know. I tried to tell you that. And I thought, Oh, I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> Props to Cammie. We're calling Cammie out. Thank you, Cammie, for speaking live over Mary too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She knew all along. And then, yeah, we got together and talked about it and we're like, this is a terrible idea. Oh, this is a terrible. Idea. <laughs> um, but we just felt really called to do it. Despite, um, you know, a lot of times people, Will launch a a certain thing in publishing, knowing it's a tried and true path. I think that that's the more um, logical way to go. (laughs) But this wasn't a logic, um, logical decision. It was more of a calling where we felt like, you know what, we need to create a company where we try to, um, you know, champion other books that kind of do the same thing where they'll address these hard topics, but in a tasteful way. And so Cam is like, okay, let's open a submission. I'm like, I'm not ready. And then, <laughs> Um, we found good girls stay quiet. That was the first one we acquired and it's still such a fan favorite. And then we've acquired several more and we're, um, growing and trying to, um, you know, be strategic, not bite off more than we can chew. Um, and just working hard and staying humble and giving it to God because it's still, I mean, we've been in business um, three and a half years and it still isn't like, yeah, we made it. It's still like, okay, let's try this or let's try that, you know? Um, And thankfully we work with amazing, amazing people. And we're always very upfront with the fact that, hey, this is what we publish. You're not gonna get Rolls-Royce royalties from this. You, um, we will do our very best and we will, you know, work hard to edit and cover and market and all this stuff. And that's what we can offer.
0: <laughs> and look, look. So, yeah. did Kami do this cover? Yeah, she did. Oh, <laughs> yeah. like, love every single thing yeah. that you guys put together and put out. She from, is amazing. From and beginning she- to end.
1: She is so versatile and that's one of the things she can do is she can create a cover for any genre, you know, like thriller is a super abstract can be really difficult um, cover to kind of nail and draw people in to give the right vibe, right? And then it's completely different from like women's fiction or from middle grade horror, you know, they're all very distinct and she can nail it every time.
0: Because, yeah, when I first saw this, it's like psychological thriller. It's like the yellow wallpaper. It's almost like even the yellow brought me to another story that brought me to something else. That brought me to somewhere else. I mean, I just I love everything you guys do. Guys, seriously, you got to check out Mary's work. And I have a list to read. And it's not because I have to. It's because (laughs) I need to. (laughs) It's not because I'm like, this is my homework assignment. Uh, it's because it's a need because I love your style. Thank you. (laughs) I love, I love your work and it just, I can feel the spirit moving through the book. I can feel it through the words. I can feel it through your business and in what you guys are doing together, but I can feel it when I opened up the book and I said, okay, I'm about to go to Deep Creek, Texas. Mm -hmm. where is this going to take me? You know, only the Lord knows. And it was, wow. Mm -hmm. So, so Mary, when I say I'm looking forward to all of your books, yes, I do have a list to read. (laughs) Uh, And I can't wait because one, your writing style really draws someone into the present moment as if you are walking next Holding Gemma's hand, mm-hmm. saying it's okay. Let's go to the beauty shop. Let's get those tangles out, Gemma. Come on, girl. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's experience this together, and and let's see. Let's just see where it takes us. And it's just a a powerful reminder that if it's a character, they need the, a hand to hold. If it's a person, they need a hand to hold. Mm-hmm. And the empathy is there. The compassion is there. The truth is there. The hard stuff. The dark things. You know, the questions, the things that make you think all of it. How would you react? What would you do? Oh my gosh. You know, if you open this door and you saw this thing, what would you do? And how would this, you know, how would this play out? And what would you stand for? Mm-hmm. And how would you stand for it? And, yeah. all, you know, all of those things that can be so outside of you can be with you. When you pick up a book, like that's the power of reading, right? Yeah. It's the power. And that's what you give in The Girl with the Hanging Tree. You give all of that. And it's done so well. And it's such a fast read because it's all of that that captures you from the beginning and takes you there and then when you get to the middle guys you're gonna be like wait what wait who wait where wait huh and then you're gonna keep going and then you're gonna say wait what and then you're gonna say "Huh?" you're gonna say all these little things and you're gonna stop and you're gonna look at the person sitting beside you and you're gonna say wait what you don't know what i'm just reading here and you're gonna keep going because you can't stop and it's like a book that matters mary it matters on so many levels so when i say that it's a fast read i don't mean it's a light read uh yes i did take this book with me on vacation and and i was like well if i have time you know but we spent more time like talking and walking Mm -hmm. on the beach and and you know going to brook green gardens and doing things you know and, and so the book stayed But I brought it. I took it. And then when I got home, I was like, okay, I'm here. I'm in my comfy space. Let me go. And then it was like, okay, I'm on another kind of vacation. I'm on another kind of escape. And I can't leave. It's captured me. Like, whoosh, chapter one. Let me see what happens with Gemma. Let me see where this is going to go. And, you know, you could start this book and be really wise about it. You've heard a little kind of snippets as we go. Like, don't even read the back. Don't even read the blurb. Like, don't even go to any of it. Like, don't even like just say, okay, I trust what Jen is saying. And just go say, the girl at the hanging tree, let me experience this thing. And uh, and you will be so glad that you did. Um, Mary, I'm just so blessed to know you. Well, like, you too. And and to have your work, you know, and not only your work, but Allison Wells, man, Living Water. Mm-hmm. You know full well that Kelly Martin is one of my favorite authors mm-hmm. for MG Horror of all time. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Sarah with mm-hmm. Daphne's Questionable Bit. I mean, the work that you guys are doing, I mean, just phenomenal work. Thank you. I mean,
1: like I said, we're always learning, always trying to do better. And we still make lots of mistakes, but we are, you know, that's part of life. You know, yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was the biggest mistake. How can we <laughs> ever live this down? Some of the things that we I mean, that's how the nature is of running a company, you know, the potential to make every mistake under the sun. But then to be like, it's OK, I'll show up tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll all work itself out. Yep, I mean, there. Yeah, there have been some days where I'm like, that is the biggest mistake in the in all time, like in the entire universe. How could anybody ever live this down? I'll be like, well,
0: I guess everything is easy now because you've done that. So, if you had to give like tips to authors out there, what would be your hope to them that they could take away? Um.
1: You know, that's a, that's a, that's a hard question for me to answer. That's actually probably the hardest one. Um, and it's one reason why I just, I recently did a career fair for elementary school kids talking about like Kelly's book and, and, um, Christiana Legend of the Storm Stormsneeser. Yes. Um, it, it, you know, I was able to talk about their books because I don't typically write for elementary school kids, but like when I've been asked to go to like middle school and high school and they want me, or I like to talk about like you're supposed to include how much money you make and all this stuff and like to encourage people to, you know, go on the publishing journey. Um, I say first and foremost, only do it if you absolutely love it and you feel called to do it. Um, because it is hands down the hardest career in the universe, (laughs) except well career, I was going to say slavery and that's not a career. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, it's hardest career because you will put in, your everything, you know, your life, your health, your um social life, your, you know, any your heart. Your heart. Any time you could be spending on doing anything else. And um a lot of the time you really don't get much out of it. And then occasionally you'll hear a kind word from somebody and not necessarily a kind word from other people, you know, other things, but, you know, like, so bring it to Heavenly Father and ask, should I be doing this? And, you know, lead me in another direction. If you know what, I should do something else because, um, you know, I was at it for a really long time until I finally was like, you know, this is hard. This should have been easier by now. (laughs) So it's not a career that's for the faint of heart. Um, at the same time, there are writers out there who you know make a lot of money and who write genres that are, um, uh, you know, very commercial and and they they get in a good system and and they they go really it goes really well for them and I'm happy for them and that just hasn't been my calling you know, um, so yeah, that's my advice. Pray about it and be really honest with the, yourself and with Heavenly Father on the answer you get. And there are seasons. So, like, we've talked about numbers of books you've written and things that I've written and things like that. And I'm not writing right now. And this is the first time since I started that I have stopped writing. And um, some personal things have happened in in my life where basically, I mean, it's, um, just been so, so, so hard and horrible. Um, and, i i don't i don't know if i'll be able to write again and maybe i will and you know the girl the hanging tree was able to i was able to deal with kind of like um some of those things so it is a personal book to me like it is i was i was dealing with certain things but um i have gone through even more things uh through my family and i don't i don't know i that it's kind of like shined a light on like my upbringing and things like that. And I'm like, you know what, right now I can just serve, I can keep working with the company. And if there are other books I'm meant to write, then it'll, they'll come to me when, when they're meant to. Um, and and to also, my kids are 16, 13, and 10. And so I can spend time with them and not feel so split on, you know, should I be writing or running, running the company right now? And actually to like kind of stick, take a step back and give myself permission to do that, you know? And so, yeah, that's advice I would give to other people is allow yourself to have seasons. And Allison Wells had actually talked about this recently on a Monster Ivy Insight, um, the, podcast is that she is learning that she needs to be still right now. And I think that's totally perfect. You know, we don't all need to be, it's, it, we're not machines, right? Yes.
0: Yes. We need the be still club. Like, yes. And yeah. that's that permission to yeah. give ourselves that space. And I used to, and that know, time.
1: I've heard other um, writers talk about how almost like it's a religion sort of a thing where like, it's the number one priority you write every day, no matter what, this is it. And maybe that is right for them. I don't know. But my experience is, I mean, heavenly father is my religion and I follow, you know, his plan for me. And right now I need to take a step back for my own, um, mental clarity and also to be able to run the company.
0: And to have the joy there yeah, in that space and yeah. in that season and embrace that for mm-hmm. whatever it is.
1: Yeah. I was and, able to go camping with my kids a few weeks ago. And, you know, it was just so nice to just, I brought a book to read and we rode our bikes and we fished and we paddle boarded and we hiked and it was awesome, you know, and to just treasure those moments. And then when it's time to write again, I'll have those great, Experiences and memories to draw on, so I'll be a better writer in the end, anyway.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, and it's all about the balance. It's all about finding your place, and it's not your place versus someone else and what they're doing. It's what works for you and what's works for your family, and just know that regardless of what that looks like, you're still shining a light.
1: Yeah, and honestly, the girl at the hanging tree took a lot out of me, like. Since I literally took my own personality and splayed it open in two halves for the world to see and tackled two of the hardest topics on this planet (laughs) and tried to do it justice. Like I just, I gave everything and maybe, so maybe I'm just slowly filling my well right now. I don't know, but that's, I mean, that, that sucker, (laughs) I gave it all. So, and
0: it's a reader gift. Hope so. It (laughs) is. It is. it is a gift. Thank you. So guys, Mary, okay. I've been on your website. Awesome. By the way, uh, you're on Twitter, you're on Facebook, tell where you like to hang out most and how authors and uh, people can contact you.
1: Yeah. So I, um, I run the social media of monster Ivy. Most of the time, Cami does a lot too. And then we have some interns who may help out here and there, but, um, I mostly wear the monster Ivy hat and, and then I'll repost things. And then, you know, I'm Mary gray tweets on um, Twitter, but mostly Instagram or Facebook and, um, and then ivy.com is our website. And so that's just kind of my universe, you know, where I'm either um, well, I'm talking about somebody's books and occasionally I'll talk about mine, but hopefully, you know, I'm always wanting to champion everybody else's books.
0: Yes. So let me champion yours for right now (laughs) and tell you, thank you so much for writing The Girl at the Hanging Tree. Thank you. And for all of the other books that are now waiting in my queue for me to be able to read and experience the loveliness of Mary Gray. And guys, you've got to experience it too. So Mary, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I truly just thank you for this afternoon. Um, you can tell, like cheesy grin here. Um, but just just how much I love and respect the work that you do. And I'm just so thankful to know you. So thanks, Mary. All right, guys. Look, the girl at the hanging tree. Uh, ebook, paperback, audio. Mary, you've got it all. Mm-hmm. Go get yours, guys. And I hope that y'all have a blessed day. Thanks again, Mary. Thank you, Jen, so much. Bye, guys.